0: according to St. Luke. The people were filled with expectation and all were asking in their hearts whether John might be the Christ. John answered them and said, I'm baptizing you with water, but one mightier than I is coming I'm not worthy to loosen the thongs of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. After all the people had been baptized, and Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. There are three baptisms described in this short passage from St. Luke. I think it's on page 86 if you want to take a look at it in your Missal S. Three sorts, three sort of baptisms. The first, described by St. Luke, as what John says he's doing baptizing you with water. Water baptism. Now, of course, we use water in our baptism, but John's baptism is not Christian baptism. John's baptism was a baptism with water that was a sign for the person, him or herself, to give as what his or her commitment was going to be. What sort of life he and she or she would now be willing to live in preparation for the coming of the kingdom, that mighty one that was coming, who would bring the kingdom, getting ready for him. I'm going to put away the old life of sin. I'm going to start being obedient to the covenant. And and, and as a a good Jew, I'm being being ready for Messiah by having my act together, just living properly. This is a good thing. And of course, Christian baptism kind of contains that sort of thing. But John's baptism... That's what it was. It was something that you did, as witness. It was the kind of baptism that I had as a good Baptist boy at the age of 12, when I walked the aisle up to the altar and told the pastor I wanted to be baptized as a sign of commitment to Jesus. First of all, being obedient to him since he told us to be baptized, and also wanting now to be a disciple of him. You couldn't be baptized until you were 12, you know, age of discretion and all of that. But you made your decision for Jesus, and now you gave testimony to it by going into the waters of baptism and being baptized. Wonderful stuff. Part of that is what we Christians do at Christian baptism uh, when adults are baptized. We spend a whole lot of time inviting them to form their lives according to the Catholic Christian way of believing and behaving and praying before they're baptized. So it's a good thing. Baptist baptism was a really good thing. It prepared me, if you will, for uh, the Christian baptism in the Catholic Church. But uh, nonetheless, that's, that's water baptism. The second is the baptism I've already been talking about. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and Fire. Now, that's Christian baptism, that's what we do, that's the sacrament. That's not what we do, our choice, our decision, our commitment. It's what God does, His choice, His commitment, His decision for us, to make us, claim us, incorporate us into His very body. That's why we bring babies, Christians. To be baptized. It's not up to them. It's up to God. And He has planned from the beginning of time to have parents and godparents whose faith would bring that child to receive this enormous gift of God. And then raise that child every day, practicing the life that that child received in the waters of baptism. Hopefully by good example. If not, send them out to the priests and the sisters and get them trained, <laughs> go to Catholic school, whatever. But I mean, that's, that's what the Catholic Baptist, Christian baptism is. It's something God does and continues to do in us. The, uh, the prophet talked about, um, that we just heard, no, I'm sorry, Paul, in that second reading, talked about uh, our great God and Savior has appeared, Jesus Christ, who has given us eternal life Kids, eternal life is not the life we get to live forever when we die and go to heaven. I mean, that's part of it. But that's not eternal life. Eternal life is the quality of life we begin living through the waters of baptism. When we die, St. Paul will tell us in Romans, and rise with Jesus, his death and resurrection happens in those waters of baptism for us personally. It's as if, when I'm baptized, Jesus died just for me. When I'm baptized, Jesus rose from the dead just for me to kill that old egoistic, selfish, we call it concupiscence, we call it selfishness, we call it the old human nature, we call it it all kinds of things. But you know what I'm, the life that we would prefer to live, thank you very much, you know, my life, the life I want. and be in charge of, and get, and defend, and make successful, get rich, whatever, that that life. We die to that. And now we're living eternal life. That's, That's the quality of life of Jesus. He walked around in flesh just like ours, but the life that he was living, human, perfectly, totally human, was eternal kind of human life that you and I are practicing as we try to follow him. We still revert to that old stuff. It's more comfortable, you know. I'm more in charge, you know, if I live that old life. Make decisions based on that way of seeing things. But I've got the power now to see things as God does. To live as Jesus did. Love, even my enemies. To forgive those family members who have really betrayed me. To uh, forgive those parents who mistreated me, tyrannized over me, pushed their religion down my throat. I know I, I can forgive them because I can see them with the eyes of Jesus. That boss, I can see him with the eyes of Jesus. Seeing his pressure and stress that he takes out on me. And I can be. Yes, I can be. Gentle, patient, even kind to a man who's a bully. Yes, I can. I've got the authority to act that way, to see things that way, to live that way. In baptism, I was given the very breath of God. I was given the mind of Christ. I was made a member of the body of Christ. And so we practice things. That's what we do. We we practice that life. We do very badly. Thank God for the sacraments that keep us on track. But we do it. And His promise is that that eternal life will grow up in us. Oh, yes, it will. If not in this life, in the next. As a Catholic, as a convert, Becoming a Catholic, I, you guys don't know the treasure of purgatory. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh. Because you, got, you, got, you really believe, you see, that you're not just considered acceptable by the Father because of what Jesus did. You're being made acceptable by the, the grace of Jesus to behave like him and begin to act, grow up like him. And to whatever degree, I still need to grow up. That doesn't, my death, my premature death, does not frustrate God's plan for me. No, that continues after death. We call it purgatory. That, That process, that project of God to make me the exact image of His Son, considered so in the waters of baptism and made so that the grace that He gives me all the way through my life, in the sacraments and in the fellowship that I've got with other Christians following Jesus, doing our best to be like him. Now well, purgatory finishes the job. His love takes over. My foolish, fearful, selfish will is beside the point at that point. No longer operating. Now I'm just open to finally being shaped by that love that was shaping me all my life, but that I resisted for all kinds of reasons. Maybe reasons beyond my control. Well, that's that's Now taken away and finally all grown up in the spirit, conformed perfectly to Jesus in the flesh. Going to heaven, you know, is a disembodied soul is up there. Heaven, we inherit eternal life in the flesh and we inherit heaven in the flesh because that's what Jesus did went body and soul into heaven. His mother followed him body and soul into heaven. We too will be body and soul in heaven. And we're practicing in that body already, that life. That's Christian baptism. It gives us the power, the authority to grow like that, to become one with Christ. This sound, especially, oh my gosh the very body and soul of Christ given to us is food. You know what you do with food? Your body assimilates food. We assimilate the body and soul of God in Holy Communion. Kids, this is crazy stuff if it wasn't true. No other religion on this planet makes human beings so intimately one with God. But that's what God was up to in Christ. That's why he came in the flesh, as the Son of the Father, so that he could get to you, be with you, be one with you, and it starts when we die to that isolating, individualistic, egoistic kind of self-defensive, self-centered life and rise in the waters of baptism, as Jesus did, in flesh now stronger than sin, death, and hell if we would just exercise the authority that we have to be so. We learn learn how to do that. Some of us better than others. I know I I won't learn it very well when I die, but as I said, that doesn't frustrate God's plan for me, or you. It It will be true. We will one day be in the flesh, fit for heaven. Third baptism mentioned in this passage. Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, and heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came and said, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. That baptism happened only once to one person. It made possible, the baptism, that he lavishes upon us, but this baptism, the baptism of Jesus, is absolutely, necessarily unique. Why does Jesus get baptized? What is it that the Father sees and Jesus stands in the waters of the River Jordan and He looks down and He sees Himself in the person of His Son. God there in the flesh. You are my beloved. In you I am well pleased. Why? Why what was He doing in the water that was so pleasing to the Father? Well, I think It's because he'd been standing on the bank of that Jordan River along with all the other folks that had come to be baptized. Remember, Jesus had just come from Galilee, unknown. He hadn't begun preaching yet. He wasn't known as a healer. He wasn't known as a teacher in the synagogue. He He wasn't known. He was just one of the sinners standing there on the bank of the river asking for water baptism to prepare for the kingdom. And the Gospel of John, John the Baptist, says he didn't even recognize him until he saw the dove. What's he doing? He didn't have to be prepared for the coming of the kingdom. He is the kingdom. He brought the kingdom. What's he doing there? He's standing there, shoulder to shoulder, with you and me, we who need the kingdom. We who need not just the preparation for it, But we who need the life of it, the the, the freedom from the condemnation and sin, death, and hell that's in charge of our lives, we need that baptism. Why does Jesus get baptized with us? Because he is fulfilling all righteousness, as St. Luke will say in another place. He's doing the Father's will That is, he is completely immersing himself in the identity with you and me. He's identifying himself, body and soul, with sinners. In theology and seminary, we we were told that uh, the salvation that Jesus fulfilled, finished on the cross through through the resurrection, began in the waters of the Jordan. That's where He began to completely identify Himself with this poor, broken, foolish, lost human family. He stood shoulder to shoulder with us. That He not would need salvation with us, but He, being one with us, would bring salvation to us by what He did in those waters, by what He did on the cross, and what He did by coming out of that tomb. He's standing there for you. He's standing there in that water in love of you. He wants to suck all that stuff that will send us to hell out of us and into Himself. He identifies with our brokenness and our need. And on the cross, He will. He will rob hell of us. The harrowing of hell, that was the old medieval term they used when, when as we say in the, in the Creed, he descended to hell on the third day, rose again from the dead. That harrowing of hell, do you know what harrowing means? an no old English word. It means to utterly gut something. Absolutely just ravage it. Just empty it. Jesus emptied hell of your soul and mind. He claimed them for Himself. And the waters of baptism begins that victory in our lives, that He began to win for us as He stood there in the Jordan. This uh, feast is the last feast of Christmas and the first feast of ordinary time. And that's a perfect description, because now what we do, We move into that time to grow in the work of the incarnate God who came in the flesh to begin to be practice His to being His flesh His body as we move into ordinary time we we become the place where God lives and we learn how that what that means and and how to do that And we need each other, people, to do that. When we were sprinkled today with the holy water of baptism, we had renewed our vows. Everyday people, we are sprinkled with the waters of baptism. Baptism is a sacrament that keeps on working. And as we come to the altar uh, for communion, Jesus meets us and continues with his body to help us live in our bodies the eternal life that we've been born again into through those waters.